Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you this morning. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you this morning? I'm doing well. All right. Yeah, All right. Neocons aren't doing so well because I think they had something to do, or at least they were cheering on, you know, the bad guys over there and see if they could, uh, like Putin said, you know, he, he's, I don't think he's a dedicated communist. He sometimes makes more sense than some others. But anyway, he's, he's not a libertarian. But he says, I think they were trying to stir it up and have Russians kill other Russians. <laughs> and he may be right about that because Somebody was stirring up trouble. And, you know, the, the, the mixtures of all that, it's hard to figure out. But at least on the surface, uh, the pre pretend or the, 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 uh, the goal of a, clue, uh, of a uh, coup and overthrowing Putin and having a revolution, it fizzled. And uh, that, that sort of ended. But there's a lot of uh, after effects from this. They're still talking a lot about it internationally. And one of the things uh, I mentioned yesterday, the interesting thing to me was how emphatic it was that America, uh, at this time, uh, Biden had to make sure you'd think, well, why would you have to be so defensive? We didn't do it. We didn't do it. We weren't there. All we knew about it, we were smart enough, and we even briefed our members of Congress, but maybe uh, they really decided they had to separate themselves once they f realized that most American coups that they participate in are very successful, yeah. you know, and this one, uh, you'd have to say, didn't real, except we don't know exactly what was going on, yeah. but it, it didn't turn out to be the overthrow of Putin's government. Yeah. It wasn't the beginning of the end of the Putin government, and uh, that's why uh, people are still, still talking about it. But uh, there's been a few people make some comments of this, which we find very interesting. Uh, and the one that uh, we enjoyed reading, and uh, we're not totally surprised, but we were pleased with it. And that's, that's uh, Robert F. Kennedy. Yeah. Remind us of, uh, of the 1960s. So uh, he, he made an important uh, quote on, on this issue. Yeah, he had a great tweet. We can actually just put it up here, put this first one up because uh, this is something he put out yesterday. Um, he said, let's replace the vicious cycle of escalation with a virtuous cycle of peace building. Senators Lindsey Graham and Richard Blumenthal just issued a resolution threatening Russia with dire consequences in response to its stationing of nuclear weapons in Belarus. I agree that Russia should remove those weapons. And as a first step, the U.S. can start removing its nukes from Germany Italy, Belgium, Turkey, and the Netherlands, along with its new missile bases in Romania and Poland. That's his solution. Well, I remember it well, the uh, days going on on the Cuban crisis uh, on uh, missiles, and uh, also which within days it led up to me receiving a notice from our government <laughs> saying, hey, hey, you better quit your doctoring you you, uh, you have to leave that for a while come join us because we're getting ready because it looks like it could be very bad news that was before before JFK and Brezhnev talked yeah <clears throat> so that's how close they were there was that they were gearing up but the, the uh, fortunate thing was that uh, they came up with a solution at the time, you weren't allowed to know the solution because anybody who would have said <clears throat> we should back off out of fear from Turkey and not cut our missiles there, we should move them closer to Russia, that's argument still going on today, yeah. like we're, we're in Ukraine. So 
they kept that secret, but then they said, <coughs> oh, Brezhnev's going to take the missiles out and everything's yeah. calmed down. But it didn't take too long for everybody to know that uh, there, there was a deal worked out. And it was uh, based on common sense. And two people that still lived in the real world, they said, okay, you know, you have, they, because Brezhnev makes the point, you're in Turkey, you're in all these other places. Yeah. And Kennedy had the brains to say, huh, you're right about that. I'll bet we could do without those things. So he agrees to do it, and all of a sudden, uh, the missile crisis was essentially over. Yeah, and we talked about this before, but what's interesting about this, and I mentioned that Jeffrey <coughs> Sachs, who you spoke with at a JFK conference, uh, you, you together were on the stage speaking, um, he mentioned <coughs> this to uh, the Duran, which is a show that I do listen to and is a quite a good show, and I highly recommend it. But Sachs mentioned that in this discussion between Kennedy and Khrushchev, Kennedy said, hey, I'll take these missiles out of Turkey, but as part of this deal, can you kind of keep that part quiet and secret? <laughs> because I'm facing a lot of stress at home. And to his credit, because we always think of these Soviet leaders as monsters, and I'm sure by and large they were, but he understood the benefit. And he said, okay, we'll do it, we'll keep it secret. And you're right, it lasted for a while, it finally came out that yeah, it was a compromise. We didn't stare down the Soviets and they backed and blinked. No, it was a compromise. And that's why I think what RFK says here is so important bring back compromise yeah and that suggests the fact that no matter how authoritarian some of these individuals uh, are and have been there's a part of them that still says and they resort to you know common sense and a little bit of logic and the fact that blown up the world wasn't done there's there's others who say so what so what and a few of those are still in our congress yeah you know bomb them you know a bill goes you know, like we mentioned a bill what we need is china has an office downtown they're spying on it bomb them yeah, bomb bomb them. Them, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that's that's from people who from a person that was reasonable as far as i was yeah. concerned on other issues yeah i mean the other candidates especially the republican candidates they basically our foreign policy is broken but we need to do the same thing and hope for different results <laughs> now trump is a little different and he's a little better but Trump, in his usual sort of bluster, says, elect me and I'll solve this problem in 24 hours. I'm going to solve the problem. And people say, well, how, what are you going to do? How are you going to do it? You know, how's this miracle going to happen? He doesn't really have the particulars. I don't think he goes beyond the bluster. But I think this marks, RFK puts down a marker as a serious person who makes a serious proposal. This is how we start it. We have a deal. We have a talk. We say, okay, we'll take these missiles out of here, you take them out of here, and you start to climb down. As he says, the virtuous cycle of peace building is what he talks about. So that's why I think it's, I think it's why it's such an important tweet, because it's concrete. It's a real plan for peace. <coughs> but um, we do want to talk about um, Ukraine a little bit more. And Tucker Carlson had another just blockbuster piece. Mm -hmm. I mean, this stuff is so red hot. It's so amazing. He's really... <coughs> You know, pulled off all the brakes, but he had a great piece, and he says, why exactly are we at war with Russia? And you might want to put your headphones in. Let's listen to the first minute and 17 seconds. Now, this is longer than we usually pl play, but it really is worth him uh, hearing what he has to say now. Hey, it's Tucker Carlson. You may have found yourself wondering recently, as the world slides closer to nuclear annihilation than any time in human history, why exactly are we at war with Russia? It seems like there's a pretty significant downside to this particular foreign policy decision, starting with economic collapse and ending potentially with extinction. 
So is there a good reason we're doing it? So many innocent young people have been killed. So many hundreds of billions of dollars have been wasted, some of them from the U.S. Treasury. So what's the point? Are we really doing this so the Biden family can repay its debts to the oligarchs who finance their beach house in Rehoboth? Are we doing it so our government can continue to lie about its illicit biolabs in Eastern Europe? So that flabby losers like Toria Newland and Tony Blinken can feel like they're doing something important with their sad, empty lives? Really? Honestly, there's got to be a better reason for waging this the most pointless war of all. What is it? Well, thankfully, we have an answer. The war against Russia, ladies and gentlemen, the war against Putin and for Ukraine is, in fact, a war for democracy. Watch and recall the motive. The president has said many times we are focused on what we can do to support Ukraine's effort uh, to fight for their democracy. Democracy must prevail. <laughs> it's a war for democracy. That explains it. What percentage of the American people say, oh, that's good, I'm okay with that. I would hate to guess. But the thing of it is, that's shifting. A lot of people will do that, and a lot of people have done it in the past. But I think that attitude is shifting, and they're starting to question when the government says it, why why should you believe it? But, you know, I like, you know, uh, his statement is is a very good statement, but what I like is the the approach to, uh, the, the approach that he uses. It isn't, Starting off with, why are these dumbbells doing this? And what we should do is we should just get out of there. You know, that sort of thing. He asks a question. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I always want to ask the question, go back to, why are we there or something? Who, what's the cause of What's the motive? So he says, what exactly are we at war? Uh, why are we? Oh, he didn't ask if we were at war. Why are we exactly at war with Russia? Yeah. And that raises all the good questions of, about, uh, you know, to answer that, you'd have to uh, not not listen to those who they think history is uh, irrelevant. Think a little bit about the history uh, of, of wars, especially the history of the United States, the history of us participating in coups, the history of how we have been very much in that region of the world, uh, you know, the Middle East and around, you know, all the way back into the 50s. I mean, so it's been it's been the tradition, but we were involved even be, before that. Some people pointed out, I think we were born with an instinct yeah. that we were going to eventually become the ruler of the world. Yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> well, you know, it's they, they feed bumper stickers to America, and unfortunately the mainstream media doesn't challenge anything. And here, I mean, here's our Secretary of State. Put that next one on. Here's his explanation for why we have to spend a hundred and some billion dollars. Ukraine is defending its sovereignty, freedom, democracy, culture, and nation. We must stand with Ukraine now more than ever. So they're fighting for their democracy, Dr. Paul, but guess what? Guess what happened yesterday? Put that next one on. They're fighting for their democracy, but, but, Zelensky says no elections in Ukraine until the war is over. So we're fighting for the democracy and freedom of a country that has uh, canceled all opposition, canceled all non-state media, and now actually cancels elections. So what kind of democracy is that? But the diehards who want to go along with what they're suggesting is, yes, but we have, we, we have plans to stop them. We stopped them with the budget. We have control of the budget. Now, we'll limit it in our last budget. And they did. Uh, the uh, NDAA was limited to, what, $886 billion. Yeah. But guess what? <clears throat> 
it comes available. The, the information has been available. And even when we were talking about that bill a couple of weeks ago, I, I said, it means nothing. Yeah. <laughs> what they do is there's always an emergency. But I was wrong. I didn't know it would come within weeks. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't even go a month. But the emergency is there. So the money will be there. And uh, you, you, you can't expect somebody like, uh, uh, you, you know, pa, uh, McConnell or yeah. something like that to no stop way. it. No. The spending is going to... Uh, going to continue. But I wanted to read one thing there is, uh, uh, you know, oh, the first first people, a few of the members of Congress had said, Gregory Meeks, he's oh. an important guy. He, 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 was, he, was the, he was the chairman uh, of the Foreign Affairs Committee, and his obedient partner was, uh, was, was you know, Michael McCall. Yeah. Now Michael McCall is in the chair, and guess what? Gregory Meeks, I mean, uh, and you, 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 this whole idea of bipartisanship, it's, it, the principle fascinates me because there's some bipartisanship, and then on the surface you see, well, it's uh, Trump's family against the Biden family oh, will yeah. kill you if you don't do something, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, so Meeks, Meeks came up and uh, he said that, uh, I hope that the, the, the Wagner Rebellion does and reinforce members of Congress, particularly some of my Republican colleagues are, who were talking about not continuing to import money to Ukraine. And, uh, you know, this is just that crazy. But the crazy thing is, this guy, you know, comes out of the tradition of, of a non-warring yeah. progressive. Yeah. yeah. So, so that tells you where we are and how things change. But he wasn't the only one. I mentioned Mitch McConnell. He says, it's hard to imagine that Bogosian uh, mutiny is bad news for Ukraine. You know, he he just can't imagine that because because uh, Russia is about to fall apart and we have to keep fighting it. Just it depends on on the money, and uh, this this is uh, this is something that goes on. We're not surprised, but the money is supposed to stop them. So it's this fake dependency and trust in the dollar that holds this whole thing yeah. together because everything else is so weak and people tolerate, everybody gets bailed out. And you know, COVID, think of the trillions of dollars they used to bail out. So nobody, I think they're totally, totally numb about that. Yeah, there's a few that'll say, and say we shouldn't be doing this, but it never stops. But that is gonna be the limiting factor. And right now they can do whatever they want, spend the money, buy the weapons. If not, stir up trouble, have a, have a failed coup. Ah, they're failing and we gotta save democracy <laughs> in Ukraine. Yeah. Ah, and Pelosi comes to the rescue. We hadn't heard from her yet uh, before. Yeah. She, she went into pseudo retirement. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's self-limiting, but right now it looks like uh, the printing presses are running and there's still a fair amount of trust, uh, even though we laugh at what they, they come up and make statements that nobody's going to believe yeah. believe what they say. But too many do, and uh, the people, the deep state, know uh, the strings still can be pulled and they're going to survive for a while. For a while. <coughs> well, this is a war for democracy. But, you know, as Tucker said uh, uh, elsewhere in his great uh, monologue yesterday, if we can put that next clip on, here's a great point that he makes, Dr. Paul. He says, <coughs> so, <coughs> in a war for democracy, you can do anything. Because he's talking about how he canceled the churches, canceled the opposition, canceled the elections, canceled the church, canceled everything. So he says, so in a war for democracy, you can do anything. Imagine what a man might do who has fewer principles. If that man, say, ran Ukraine, he might seize churches 
arrest priests, ban all criticism of himself, disappear his political opponents, and that's happening, he says. Just last month, Zelensky threw a man called Gonzalo Lira into prison indefinitely <coughs> for the crime of daring to write about the Ukrainian government in unflattering ways. Now that's interesting, Tucker continues. What separates this from other such cases is that Lira is an American citizen. So Joe Biden, who has quite a bit of SWAT, as they say in Ukraine, could have freed Gonzalo Lira within hours, but he didn't. He didn't want to. He didn't say a word about it. Gonzalo Lira remains <coughs> in prison tonight. And that, in fact, is true. I used to listen to Gonzalo's program. He's an American. Uh, he simply happens to be critical of some aspects of Ukraine's policy. The goons grabbed him and put him in the gulag. You know, we're making fun of the fact that they want to save democracy. But, you know, if you sort all this out, you know, maybe that's exactly, uh, you know, what, what they're thinking about because it's, it's democracy. It, as if that was, uh, you know, being unhinged. No, it's democracy that created this problem. You know, there's, there's uh, no strong defense in our traditions, our constitution, or economically speaking, that uh, democracy is the perfect system. And so, therefore, they're trying to save, save something that it's, it's even questionable. That's why sometimes terms are very misleading. Uh, that's why I like to narrow it down to personal liberty and property, that's easier. <laughs> you know, and, and not get messed up with what are we saving. And, and everybody, everybody now is uh, in the country, not everybody, uh, but so many, you know, say, well, that's a good motive. Yeah. You know, we we had that dictator over there, and uh, there was war going on, and we have to we have to save it. And then then they'll have their election, and Zelensky will probably run. <laughs> and he's well known, and everybody loves him. Yeah. <laughs> and he'll be reelected. Yeah. With a little help from his friends <laughs> yeah. in Washington. As long as that election doesn't come up, really yeah. come up, huh? Well, you mentioned the um, <clears throat> the. Uh, uh, spinning the coup, the Prigozhin coup. Let's put this next one on because this is from Zero Hedge, but I think it <coughs> captures essentially what we're trying to say here. Um, this is after Ukraine failed to, to capitalize on, on Wagner turmoil, U.S. sends 500 million more in weapons. <laughs> and uh, they write over at Zero Hedge, just on the heels of the New York Times observation that Ukraine forces failed to capitalize on the weekend turmoil in Russia of the Wagner uprising, the Biden administration announced 500 million. In Sunday, the New York Times cited anonymous American and other independent analysts as acknowledging, quote, there did not seem to be any immediate defensive gaps to exploit in Russian lines. So what that means, I think, Dr. Paul, if I may say so, is that this whole trying to spin this little un uprest, uh, un uh, uprising, little unrest in Russia as the collapse and I have a thing from Moon of Alabama where Blinken went on all four talk shows on Sunday using the exact same words, cracks in the system, cracks in the system. Well, I was just listening to Doug McGregor on the way, and Colonel McGregor was on a show, and he said this is not a coup in any way, shape, or form. Not a single other military officer or organization backed Prigozhin. Not a single political party, even the opposition, nobody backed him. It was a disgruntled businessman, the guy who owns, he doesn't own, he runs Wagner and he made a lot of money off of it. When Russia said, okay, we're going to pull, we're going to pull Wagner into our regular army now, no longer have it separate. Well, he was seeing the loss of a lot of money and he flipped out <laughs> and, and made this crazy run toward Moscow that lasted about 15 minutes before Lukashenko called him and said, hey, chill out, turn back. So the idea that this was some massive coup that they could exploit 
is absolutely laughable. Well, and they, they were talking about, if from the very beginning, some people were, were suspicious and thought, maybe there's a conspiracy here of a pretend, yeah. pretend coup for the purpose of doing what they got. And uh, they had planned it, and, and that's why it had to come and go rather quickly. But uh, I guess the evidence for that, but it, it, a lot of ineptness there. I, I just can't believe it was designed or anybody really now look back and expect it. Oh, but the end of the days for Putin. Yeah. No, it was the beginning of the days of the, those, those uh, people who are for peace in the U.S. Congress. They might get a hold of things and cut off our money. Yeah. So they had, uh, they had to strategize and, and prove that, you know, democracy is at risk and we got to help and we got to keep the weapons flowing. And there it is. $500 billion, that's not very much, but you know, uh, it'll <laughs> be a change until they get, uh, you know, a couple more billion, because yeah. at this rate, uh, since there's this false illusion and deception and power, uh, it's going to linger for a while, and <laughs> uh, the total bankruptcy of the American people will have to occur before they wake up and say, enough is enough, but of course, we, we uh, report on it when people are revealing that they're getting sick and tired of it and they can't put it together. One of the best ones is, why are we paying to protect those borders over there and looking at our borders yeah. now, which has become a real threat? You know, how, do, how, do you, how would we ever act if this country was invaded? Well, you open up the doors because you don't want to cause any hard feelings <laughs> and, and give them the best hotels, yeah, you know, give them medical care. And, you know, that that to me is just so bizarre. That has to wake up some American people. And I think it is. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> I see that money flowing out. Well, I think the whole the bottom line of this whole thing is Congress and the administration <clears throat> was desperate because obviously the counteroffensive fizzled. It went nowhere. All it did is caused thousands and thousands of more Ukrainian lives to be lost for nothing. Uh, so with this absolute failure of the counteroffensive, they're desperate for a new narrative. And so they grasp this new narrative. Ah, there are cracks in Russia. There's a coup. This is it. This is our excuse. Just the beginning Just, of the end. Yeah, huh? exactly. <laughs> beginning of the end. All we need is a few more dollars. And like you say, that $500 million, they wanted to give it all along. But they're using this as an excuse to say, okay, now we see the cracks. Let's send more money. <laughs> and now you, you mentioned this, but I want to mention it too, because it's so ridiculous. They're going to save democracy. Yeah. And their concept of democracy, you know, would be uh, pure democracy in a negative sense. But Lezinski says, hey, no more elections in Ukraine until the war is over. So you're going to fight the war to get democracy, but no more democracy until... Uh, and yeah. the, it's ridiculous. That's why I think it's so foolish and so powerful, the people who control all this, <clears throat> that it has to be a total bankruptcy and a ripping out of, 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 the, of the wealth that depends on an illusion of money and the illusion of the dollar standard. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of cracks there that I think are very real, too. Yeah, that's, every crack. that's the real cracks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a big one's going to affect everybody. Yeah. Well, I want to talk to Seth about today's <clears throat> sponsor, and that's Right. Uh, they make a mini chainsaw that they're offering for a 50% discount to Ron Paul's <coughs> Liberty Report viewers. Uh, it's tiny. You can operate it with one hand. Makes tree trimming easier. A lot of Americans bought it at full price, but you can get it at 15% off from Tackrite. So get free, chi free shipping. Go to TackriteRon.com. I'll put a link up to get your 50% off handheld chainsaw when the show's done. 
and let's get back to the show. Dr. Paul, let's put up this next clip because this is something we've been talking about a lot. Uh, if we can, this is the um, move ahead a little bit. Yeah, move ahead a little bit, a couple more to the one about the 250 celebrities. One more, one more. Yeah, there we <laughs> go. 250 Hollywood celebrities. Dr. Paul signed a letter demanding the big tech censor anyone who opposes trans surgeries on kids. What do you think? Well, I, I can promise you that I never gave any subsidies to these celebrities <laughs> because I don't make use of their entertainment. <laughs> but that's still, that's still a problem for us because I'm outnumbered on that case. Yeah, yeah. People go along with this. I, 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 it still bewilders me <clears throat> why that should have a big deal, but I guess they think it does. Censor anyone who opposes transcendence on kids. Young kids, <clears throat> kids, yeah. That's how corrupt our morality is. And, and, and the movies and, 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 and media and all this is an influence and a reflection of basic morality, just like Congress is not a reflection of the Constitution. It's a, it's a reflection of where we are on a moral society. And, uh, and it, it, even though you can have wonderful words uh, in the Constitution, if you don't have decent people, you know, that will interpret it and give us that type of a system, it's not worth anything. But that, uh, that really caught my attention. And uh, this, uh, the, the thing of it is, there's, th this is bigger sometimes than I think it, it is. I mean, this is a lot of people, but the movie industry, just like the media, and just like, uh, you know, the wokeism, how, they, yeah. how they captured the business people, the, uh, you know, uh, the, the so-called control of capitalism, but it turns out they're not talking about freedom. Yeah. They're, they're talking about, you know, a system that is uh, corporatism, which is an inv invitation more to a fascist system. And this whole idea of uh, trying to censor just about everything, that is still alive and well. Because even when the re <clears throat> conservatives come along and say, we can't let this happen, we can't let this happen. So their solution is always, you know, well, they wouldn't let us read the Bible last week, but we're gonna have them read it twice this week. Yeah, you yeah. know, that they, have to, they have to find out they can't, they can't defeat authoritarianism with, even if, if their sounds better. Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, privatize it if you can't figure out how to handle some of those problems privatize it yeah. send your kids to homeschool yeah <laughs> or the ron paul curriculum I might <laughs> absolutely well you know it's just a typical thing dr paul these brain dead celebrities they want to <laughs> latch on to the latest thing these are the same fools who a couple years ago were saying anyone without a mask on should be jailed you know right. and that's what they are that they, they have they all they do is they pretend to be other people that's their whole career they pretend to be someone else and somehow that gives them the authority Put on this next clip, we'll see uh, a little bit about who it is. And to be honest, I don't know most of these people. I guess I'm out of it. But some 250 woke Hollywood celebrities have signed their names to an open letter urging big tech companies to crack down on anyone who doesn't fall in line with the trans agenda, including advocating life-changing surgeries for children. Uh, they sent a letter to Meta, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. People that signed it are people like Amy Schumer, Ariana Grande, Demi Lovato, Jamie Lee Curtis, Judd Apatow, Patrick Stewart. I mean, I, I've heard of Patrick Stewart, um, and that's a little disappointing, but you know it is. It's the same old brain-dead people. Uh, I like the Ron Paul solution. The best solution to these guys telling you and hassling you about what to do, don't give them a single penny. And I think, I actually, I don't have it here, but I was reading an article the other day about how all of these woke movies that are coming out of Hollywood are just crashing and burning. So there really is no interest 
in watching this garbage, and I can only hope that a new system, just like Rumble came about to <laughs> supplant YouTube for their censorship, I hope a new movie system will come out, and it may be smaller, but will reflect the values of people like us who don't want to be talked down to by airheads. You know, the, this Zero Hedge article on the Hollywood celebrities also had at the tail end of it a little summary about a poll, uh -huh. uh, the Summit, Summit Ministry polls. And it said that 61% of the U.S. voters believe that introducing children to transgenderism, drag shows, and LGBTWXYZ themes stunts they're emotional and psychological. Unbelievable. Oh, that's a shocker. <laughs> so that's what they found. But 61% of the people agrees that we'll, we'll, we'll work with them. Yeah. But then it also, the poll also said, the polls also found that 63% of respondents believe that those advocating for children to be exposed to these issues are motivated, listen to this, purely by a desire to push a specific cultural agenda. And it's not our cultural agenda, yeah, let yeah. me tell you. A further poll found that almost three quarters, ah, this is getting up the higher on huh? They want businesses to stay out of political and cultural issues, including LGBT. And you know that, I was, I was raised in a sort of a business, my dad has a small business, but it was early, thing when I'd ask him about, uh, you know, politics, you're going to run for this or that. <laughs> well, he says, you know, it's just not, it's just not a good thing uh, to argue with your customers <laughs> about Democrats and Republicans. Smart man, very <laughs> smart man. So, so we, we weren't to bring that up with our customers. Very so, smart. Uh, but uh, it, it shows that the people now are sick and tired of it. And uh, they're tired of, they're tired of about what the fo football teams are doing and yeah. the beer companies are doing and I don't know I think I think it's going to come the way of people with common sense but I'm surprised how rigid the, the some of the companies are yeah they, they seem to uh, they, they seem to ignore their stockholders but I think though that's going to crack I think the stockholders you know there's some people they're not, they're not all dedicated to this nonsense so these some of these people are going to say look you know your our, our income is going down there are no dividends anymore more and my our stocks are going down yeah so that's that'll probably end it yeah I don't know you probably saw this morning that those two marketing people from Bud Light were fired yeah, that, the ones that did yeah it. there it is there was a, it's too late for that for that company no <laughs> one's gonna buy it anymore but um I got one other thing to close out but I do want to thank our sponsor this month and of course that's fourpatriots.com uh, we are in hurricane season we have a electric grid we have a power grid that's based in the 1900s it's gonna go out at any moment. They can spend billions on it, but you don't know how long it'll take to actually fix it. The best thing to do is to protect yourself and your family with your own power generation. And that can be done very well with 4Patriots.com solar power generator. Uh, you can get it from 4Patriots.com and I'll add a link. And the best news is you can get it from them with a 10% discount using RON as your code, enter RON for your 10% discount on their Patriot Power Generator and everything on their website. And Dr. Paul, they did send us a couple of baskets of their survival food that we're going to break out next week and see how it works. Um, but go to 4Patriots.com, link in the description. And um, the last thing I want to talk about, and we mentioned it before, is CJ Hopkins, who I like very much. I think he's a very interesting person. If we can put that next clip up. He wrote a great piece called Fear and Loathing in the City of Westminster. 
Uh, and he's a very creative writer, but uh, ultimately, you know, he comes from the left, which, uh, which I'm happy to see, to be honest with you. Uh, but he's talking about <coughs> this very, very chilling new kind of censorship, uh, the censorship industrial complex. And I want to read a quote from his article because he was over in the UK on a panel with Matt Taibbi, Mike Schellenberger, <coughs> himself, and um, I forget the, the fourth person. Uh, but he is now recounting what Taibbi said. If we can put that next one on, I think this really encapsulates what's happening. Uh, this is Matt Taibbi talking, as quoted by C.J. Hopkins. What Michael, and that refers to Michael Schellenberger, what Michael and I were looking at when they were looking through the t Twitter files was something new, an internet age approach to political control that uses brute digital force to alter reality itself. We certainly saw plenty of examples of censorship and deplatforming and government collaboration in these efforts. However, it's clear that the idea behind the sweeping system of digital surveillance combined with thousands or even millions of subtle rewards and punishments built into the online experience is to condition people to censor themselves. It's exactly what the communists did, Dr. Paul. And I have used this quote in my announcement of our upcoming conference, which I mailed out to Ron Paul Institute subscribers. Put that last one on because if you're interested in, in this and related topics, you will want to get your tickets for our September 2nd conference near the Dulles Airport in Dulles, D.C. Which way, America? And you can see we've got some big decisions to make. Do we want to reside in a digital gulag? Do we want to have our cities destroyed by nuclear war? That's the theme of our event, and we hope people will join us. We've already got some pretty good sales this morning. I'll also put a link in the description on how to get tickets. Sorry for the long-winded okay. part, Dr. Paul. Back okay, I'm going to finish up by uh, talking a little bit more about the coup business. And we've been in that business for a long, long time. And it's interesting to me on how our government handles it. You know, are they going to tell us about it? Will they confess about it? Will they say they're sorry or whatnot? This came up during the presidential campaign when I was trying to uh, make a different point about foreign policy after 9-11. Uh, why, why don't we find out motives? What, what's going on there? And I brought up the subject that, you know, we've been involved for a long time. The, the, uh, Iran was being challenged to, and <clears throat> I said, well, you know, you have to find out why they might be upset. I said, you know, uh, we were participating in a coup in 1953 and overthrew a Democratic leader uh, that they had. And this has led to a lot of problems over there. And the talk show host was very conservative, very hawkish. He said, I don't want to hear any nonsense about history. So I had to shut up, couldn't talk about history, but they don't want to know anything about history. But this, this coup, that, coup attempt is interesting because uh, not too many people know it, but once it failed and the dust was trying to settle, our government couldn't wait to deny. We didn't have anything to do with it. We didn't have anything to it. Now, if it would have been successful, they still wouldn't have talked about it. They just would have taken advantage of it because they, the government doesn't go along. How many people uh, that are pro-Ukrainian finances would ever say that maybe NATO had something to do with this? Maybe us egging them on and maybe our disobedience to our promises made to Russia over the many decades, maybe that has something to do with it. Now, that's all 
that's off limits. So getting the truth out is the, the whole issue. The truth is very helpful to us, and that's why we like to hear some of these reporters, and our conferences are set up that way to get people. They're, they're going to talk about things you're not going to hear very often uh, on the television and try to understand wh why this happened, because we hear propaganda. I, I listen to all of it because I'm always looking for bits and pieces of, of truth. Sometimes you hear it by accident. Sometimes it's planted there for a reason. And sometimes it might be a real shift in attitudes from people coming in our direction where they believe that the foreign policy should change. So the foreign policy of non-intervention is the policy that we advocate, just like we advocate the non-interventionist position on personal liberty, spiritual liberty, sexual liberty, and all these things for us to stay out of that economic level of all sorts and uh, believing very sincerely if you want to live in a more peaceful and a more prosperous world you would adhere to those principles i want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the liberty report please come back soon